Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to get some tips from top growers or talk to you about a few of the things we've picked up over the years from a few top growers around the world. If you've got any questions about that or anything that's going on on your farm, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also send us an email if you would like, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So we are live in the Morton studio today and just talking about raising better crops, making more money on the farm. So here are a few of the the key things that we picked up from top growers over the years and things that we have seen ourselves just in the work we've done on our own farm and the thousands of farmers that we work with. So we talk about it all the time, but to me, drainage is always going to be number one if you got heavy soil. Got to take care of that drainage. Otherwise, like we were talking about on the show yesterday, if you don't have good levels of air in the soil, a lot of your soil microbes die. And even people will occasionally, I'll hear them say, well, you know, we could we could block the tile lines in the winter and stuff and let the water rise. And I'm going, what? No, no, you're defeating the whole purpose of having that tile out there. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we can't raise water levels a little bit if you have deep tile lines. But like in our case, we have shallow tile lines. I can't, I can't back them up. That's not going to work because if I get my water table high, that kills off my soil microbes. So anyway, drainage is number one, and it's really about having air in that soil to keep the, the roots alive, to keep the microbes alive, alive, everything else. Then beyond that, it's just learning a lot about balancing soil fertility, having ample amounts out there when you need it, weed, insect, disease control, picking the right varieties, um, and then a lot of little things as you go along the way. So we talk about little things like foliar feeding or the timing on when you spray your fungicide and how you put that fungicide on. Even we were, I think it was, was it earlier this week or, or la, no, it was last week. We were talking about spray coverage and just something that simple could be five or 10 extra bushels on your yield of corn, for example, if you get better coverage when you spray that fungicide. So it, it's just really attention to detail. And I just remember some of the very first high-yield farmers that we were working with, like Francis Childs over 20 years ago and, and others. And it was just attention to all those little details. And you do this one little thing, just a hair better. This next thing, a little bit better. The next thing, just a fraction better than somebody else. And pretty soon you add up 20 or 30 different things that you've done just a little bit better. And all of a sudden you got significant yield increase. So anyway, that's that's probably the stuff that stood out to me the most. Oh, and then the last thing is spend time in your fields. The more time you spend in the field and the more area of your field you are in, the more that makes a difference. Even on our own farm. I just remember a few years ago, I was walking in the fall and I, I tried to walk all our fields after the combine had rolled through and everything. And I mean, literally walk, not ride on a four wheeler or anything else. Walk. Cause then you can feel the soil. You, you pay more attention to actually seeing what's happening. And there was one spot in one field where I'm like, yeah, this, the drainage just isn't great. How, why is this soil still damp here? This shouldn't be damp. We haven't had much rain lately. And so we put some tile in. And since then, we've gotten a lot better yield in that area. Well, it was a small pocket. And I mean, it was just, let's put it this way. 
a lot of times we focus on the big things. Like we farm 3,500 crop acres and we got some 300 acre fields and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, we're trying to get a lot done every day. And instead of let's focus on that half acre or acre and a half that just isn't quite right. And if I can fix those little things, the field boundaries and everything else that we're doing, I, I mean, we have a lot more total bushels and a lot more total profit. So anyway, just some of the things that we've kind of picked up over the years. Okay, it's time now for the Ag PhD Mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, uh, this one comes in from Jack in southern Indiana. He said, guys, we think boron is a yield-limiting factor for us. Our goal is around 250 bushels of corn per acre, and our average boron level is 0.45 parts per million. Now, we've got a few different ways to put on boron. We can do it strip-till. We could do it two-by-two two on each side of the row. We could do it post-emerge. We do a foliar pass around V4, or we do an aerial application around R1 to R3. Uh, with those things in mind, do you have any certain boron products that you would recommend, how much you can put on per year, and when to do it? <laughs> okay, a lot of things. Southern there. Indiana. All right. So I don't know anything about the soil, right. Brian, other than yeah. that it's 0.45 parts per million, Brian. Don't know if it's heavy yep. soil, okay. light so, soil. So don't... one of the things you want to take a look at is calcium. We've been talking about this over the last couple of years. Take your calcium level divided by 1,000. That'll give you a rough idea. It's not going to be exact, okay, but it's going to give you a rough idea how much boron you could have in your soil fairly safely. So let's just say, for example, you had 3,000 parts per million of calcium, divide that by 1,000, that means three parts per million of boron, and that might be something you could target when it comes to your soil level. Now, boron is somewhat leachable. It's going to be more leachable for you than me, just because you have more, much more rainfall than we do. But my point here is boron's not crazy leachable like nitrate is. So you can put boron out in the fall and have it stay there through the next growing season if you have moderately to heavy soil. So anyway, that, that would be one of the things. And when we're talking about, oh, I just want to build soil levels, we like putting dry out on the soil and go from there. So I think we've been using a 15% dry boron product. Otherwise, you're talking liquid if you want to put out something with the the herbicide in the spring, we've done that before. You want to do it with your nitrogen side dress. You want to do it with any nitrogen application, you can. If you're going over the top of the crop, a lot of times we don't like going much more than a quart or two of boron. Otherwise, you start to see some leaf burn. So I'd be a little bit cautious about that. And if you are doing foliar feeding with low rates, keep in mind that, that boron's not going to stay in that plant forever. You're only putting a little bit on. So you might have to do little doses in multiple applications. But try some things and go from there. Yes, boron could be a yield limiting factor for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no! Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. In 1923, Bertar Benjamin had a vision, an all-purpose tractor that could do more. 
With that, the Farmall was born. This year, Case IH is celebrating 100 years of Farmall, 100 years of milestones, 100 years of innovation, passion, grit, and they're doing it through your stories. Share them at farmall100.com. One lucky storyteller will win their own Farmall, the tractor that is the one for all. Hi, Greg Souter. Uniform emergence is critical for high ear count and yields. Good emergence starts with the closing of the seed trench. It's almost impossible to pinch the seed trench closed from the top, no matter what style of closing wheel you use. That's why 360 Wave closes the seed trench from the bottom up. 360 Wave rolls moist soil from the bottom of the V trench over the seed, completely engulfing the seed, eliminating all traces of the trench. That means better germination and emergence. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. Cold weather draining your batteries? Nothing delivers peace of mind like a quality battery charger from CNB. Going on now? Buy three batteries and get the charger on sale. Learn more or shop online at DeerEquipment.com. CNB, your local John Deere dealer of choice. Offer runs until May 2023. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We are taking some tips from top growers and looking at how you can make more money on the farm. I can raise bigger yields. And in many cases, it may not involve spending any more money. It might just be changing your timing up a little bit or, or splitting up things like splitting a nitrogen application, something like that. Uh, if you've got tips that you'd be willing to share, we'd love to hear from you at 844-44-AG-PHD. Of course, if you've got a question for us, you can, can certainly call as well. Plus, we've got our email always open, radio at agphd.com. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now down in Iowa. How you doing, Tony? Excellent, Darren. I am fantastic today. Well, we got the sun the, uh, out and the snow is slowly starting to disappear here. I love it. It means spring's getting a little closer. It does indeed. I'm hoping that the, all that water out there soaks in and does not run off. That's uh, that's what we need here where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, that is for sure. That is for sure. All right. So when someone asks you, what are what are some tips that a top grower would give to to other farmers? What are some things you could do that uh, that maybe you're doing on the farm or that you're going to be implementing this year that, that could help others out? What are some of the things that you'd suggest? Hey, I, I like your comment here a, a minute ago on uh, the things that don't cost anything. Actually, one of the things that talks on uh, ultimately yield – the most cost-effective thing that a farmer can do is actually planting date. Doesn't cost you anything. It's it's just uh, be organized and, and plant your crop with the best planting date. And uh, so your comment on doesn't cost him. It's it's just being ready and uh, taking advantage. So I, that's a, a pretty interesting part. The second thing on the, the research that's come out the past few years is actually uh, closing the furrow and getting the seed soil contact and uh, getting the uh, the seeds pressed in there firmly uh, without going excessively so that you get the most even emergence. That is the number two, even emergence 
and uh, closing that furrow and getting a, a perfect closure. And then there are other components that all go that are in the planter just ahead of that. But uh, getting that furrow closed, uh, one of the things that uh, we've seen in, a, in different components is if we can get a firm vein of soil right there at the bottom of the furrow. In dry country the past few years, we've enhanced the wicking of moisture up from the uh, subsoil. And a uh, very common comment is three days earlier emergence with a more even stand. The, uh, the next thing is that uh, getting all those seeds uh, where they can get to that moisture, be in a firm position so they start evenly, and you've got them all coming through the soil at the same time, that's another uh, real positive. If they're, uh, what is it, 48 uh, hours later, you're looking at, what is it, half to two-thirds production off that stock? Is that the right yeah, number? Can, Am I thinking that correctly? It can, it can make a big difference. Now, I would say it's more of a difference in warm conditions to get that kind of a distance between emergence where it's a little less of an issue. Uh, as you move, move further north into colder weather, we've seen a lot where we just aren't accumulating very many growing degree days. We we might not get that far behind. But, yeah, if you start getting two leaf stages behind, that that's a disaster. Yeah. So getting the, those seeds all started evenly is a very important component, and it's very worthwhile to pay attention to. Yeah, I'm working on an article now for an upcoming Ag PhD Insider magazine, and, and one of the things that I'm, I'm focusing on is what you should be out behind your planter looking at. This is exactly one of those things, because I think like you were talking about just how moisture will wick up from down in the ground. If you get things right above it, uh, we'll, we'll actually see some of that moisture come up in dry conditions, and that that is nothing but a positive for our crop. So if we handle that right and we do things the right way, you just have to get out there and dig to see these things and all you have to do is see it one time in your life and you will be hooked you will be digging you will be looking for it and you'll understand what you're trying to accomplish out in the field that much more hey tony i know we could talk all day you got lots of great tips for us but that is a really good start to the show so i'm gonna leave it right there thanks for joining us tony really appreciate it hey you guys have a great day thanks you bet you as well uh again in the state of iowa here We've got uh, the Iowa corn champ, Kelly Garrett, with us right now. He's also with Extreme Ag. Kelly, how you doing? Good. How are you, Darren? You know what? We're doing pretty good, and I, I heard Tony start off with planting date, and I thought, oh, man, I wonder what Kelly's target is going to be this year. I was, I, Actually, I, I saw your name come up. I'm like, man, what's he going to say? Is I'm, I'm hoping it starts with <laughs> April. I'm hoping it doesn't start with March, Kelly, because then it's going to be a very interesting, even more interesting discussion. Uh, based on the weather forecast we have, things like that, I would like to start very early April. Uh, I'm expecting a wet second half April and May, and I'd like to get as much accomplished uh, as possible before that starts. But, you know, of course, the ground has to be fit to do that. You're correct. Exactly. You know, you bring up a great point there, and I know Brian's been talking about this, uh, maybe coming at it just a slightly different angle, but uh, the same same purpose, that we have to take advantage when the soil is fit. We have to be out there because we're going to get weather. Things are going to pop up. It's not like you're going to start the planter up. I mean, if you got a good number of acres to get over, it's not like you're going to start it up and never stop. It's just going to all be perfect. There's going to be some gaps in there where you don't get things done. And each day on the front side you get going is a day on the backside that you don't have to plant. And that's that's a big deal. 
that you're exactly right. That's why I, I want to be prepared and hit the ground running and, and, uh, make hay when the sun shines. Hey, I wanted to ask you about this. And I know you probably got a couple things that you were thinking about saying today too, but, uh, as, as you get this younger generation going on your farm, when do you turn over certain jobs to them? Like running the corn planter, for example, is that something that, uh, eh, I'm going to keep doing that for a while. Or is that something, you know what, I'm going to empower these young guys. Well, I'm still young enough to, to jump in if I have to and, and take it back over. No, I'm all about empowering. Uh, Connor's already running the corn planter, and I would expect that Kale will be running the bean planter some this year. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, that's that's going to be fun. And, and just, I, I know for our farm, we we think digging behind the planter is just so important that we wanted our best guy to be free to just, hey, just keep an eye on things. Make sure that we're not making a big mistake or that we don't miss one row out there that's off or something like that. And uh, I, I know for us, just paying attention to details is probably one of our biggest tips that we've got. Uh, w- what are some tips? I mean, you get asked this all the time and certainly got a big following with Extreme Ag, too. Uh, what are growers most curious about and what are some of the things that you would say, man, when I said that, people are like, whoa, that's, that is a really important thing. Uh, they ask a lot of time about what, what the number one priority would be. And the first thing that I feel that we should do, the first thing I try to do, is to balance the soil from a base saturation perspective because that will allow the nutrients to be available to the plant. Because if we don't do that, everything else we do, we're wasting some money a little bit. So my number one priority is to always make those nutrients available, balance that soil, have the soil happy, because then when we come back later in the year and we're trying to push yield with our foliar applications, you know, and and those foliar applications, like putting potassium acetate on, at VT with my corn fungicide, it's not about how much fertility, it's not about how much K I'm putting on, it's what I'm putting on and when to trigger the plant, to push out exudates, go into the soil, and bring more K up out of the soil. But again, we've got to start with a healthy, balanced soil so that is available. That's the, that's the chain of command or the, prog- the progression that we go through. Well, and you think about it, a lot of the things that we'll hear from growers, man, a fungicide app has really helped us fight disease. I think plant health all through the season is important, and giving it the right balance and nutrition is certainly the, a great way to get that plant off to a good start. Absolutely. We are, we're, it isn't like we're not focusing on fertility, but we're, we're putting a bigger portion of our budget towards plant health and plant stress and, and taking away from that a little bit, trying to keep that budget the same. But you can put all the fertility out in the world. If the plant's not helping, the plant's under stress, that fertility budget isn't going to be realized. You, you're not going to get the potential of it. So more and more health, more and more plant health type products, stress products, they, uh, your Weather King product that, that you guys have, that's a great product. You know, I, I came across that product from Lee, and we've had tremendous success with it. Yeah, anything we and can do to take away those stresses, I, I agree with you, is good. Yes. But I'll say this, Kelly, you did make one great point. There is rain coming, and we've had drought for the last couple of years, so I, I love that one most of all. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com.
It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting corteva.us. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. Every week for more than two decades, AgPhD TV has provided agronomic information to make your farm more productive and profitable. In each episode, we discuss a wide range of topics covering everything from crop fertility, promoting soil health, improving the environment, pest control, and more, all designed to help you push your farm to higher yield goals and more profitability. Be sure to catch us on Tuesdays and Saturdays on RFD TV. Check your local listings or visit agphd.com to learn more. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new battalion amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I. Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest-lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an Authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kochia, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today, getting some tips from top growers, and we'd love to hear from you as well. Our phone numbers are our phone number is 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. As we're shivering up here in South Dakota, although today it's above freezing, so that feels pretty good. Uh, somebody that's probably in a little better weather than us is Heath Cutrell out in Virginia. Heath, how you doing? What's going on, boys? We are just getting amped up here for this coming growing season. I, I mean, we we see snow melting here and sunshine. That means spring is right around the corner. You would think, huh, until you get next week's uh, uh, weather. <laughs> hey, no. We aren't going to look too far ahead, Heath. We're just going to take it a day at a time here. We're enjoying. We're enjoying today. That's right. Yeah, it's probably in the mid-60s here right now. It's sunny and beautiful. matter of fact, I'm out back uh, – taking my suntan right now <laughs> well see that's the one nice thing about me with my scandinavian background uh, i can get a suntan <laughs> five minutes of sun in march in south dakota so i i don't need to be anywhere too warm for that but uh there but when it, when it does get warm though i want to be out in the field and i want to be set to go so how are you coming is planner all set to go or are you guys still working <laughs> on it 
we still messing with the planter. Um, actually, right now we're cutting ditch banks, um, polishing tractors, and uh, getting them serviced and ready to go. But uh, it's still really wet here. Um, we've just come off of a week that we've had, uh, I don't know, two and a half, three inches of rain, and uh, they're calling for more rain coming next week. So we're catching this little break and trying to get some ditch banks, like I said, cut, and uh, we're getting a ditcher hooked to another tractor. So anyways, like I said, we live close to the coast, so we got a lot of uh, – you know, groundwater that we have to get off. So ditching's a big thing for us this time of year. You bet. You bet. Okay, so we talk about planting early makes sense for us. And early planting here, our first crop insurance date's April 10th. So that's that's when we start planting here, if the ground's fit. How, how about where you're at in Virginia? What is the first corn planting date, if, if things are fit? Uh, somewhere around April 1st is, is what we try to shoot for. But uh, along with that comes with weather again. So we're about the same as you guys do. Uh, I really shoot for anywhere between the 5th and the 10th. Yep, yep. Yeah, it's not too far ahead of us. I, I know in, in your south, there's no doubt about it, but it's not like uh, it's it's never going to get cold there and, and you aren't going to have some challenges too. So as, as you get started, what do you say would be a couple – tips and i started the show off with this i said there's there's things out there that you can do that don't necessarily cost a whole bunch of money it doesn't mean you got to spend another hundred thousand dollars on your planter or you have to make five extra applications uh what are some of those easy things you'd say you know what here's something guys are already doing but they could just tweak a little bit and get more out of it so one thing that i do that uh it ain't a whole lot of tweaking but what works great for me, because I do a lot of deep tillage and tillage along with that uh, for my corn growing, uh, is I like to spray a burn down uh, somewhere in December. That way when we hit this field, it's bare dirt. Um, I'd say that's a good recommended thing I like to do. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, you think about that that seed bed and getting things to be just even out there. If you can take out some of that variability, I can certainly understand that. Uh, on a fertility basis, what do you guys do? Are you mostly broadcast fertilizer? Do you like to band a lot as you plant or, or ahead of the planter? So what I do is we broadcast all my fertilizer uh, ahead of the planter, along with, uh, of course, the planter's got two by two by two, along with uh, Inferro. So um, that's kind of where I where I get set up with my fertility. Sure, sure. And you know, as we look at uh, a lot of things that we're doing with seeding rates and those types of things, we've got a lot of variability here. How about on your farm? Do you see, boy, there's areas where I can really push population and some that I have to cut back as well? Absolutely. Um, we're Again, here where I am, we have anywhere from a sandy, loamy land uh, right to a stiff clay. And then we also have some really, we're in a pretty special spot here where, where we farm at. We have some really rich black ground, organic ground that we, um, I'd say within a 50-mile radius of, of, of my farm, is a, it's some very fertile ground. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's nice when you, you've got a good base to start with. And, you know, when you look at the fertility package, you mentioned you can put fertility out there in a lot of ways. Uh, in our area, we generally have uh, – decent levels of K, not as much so on the phosphorus, just kind of naturally. Are there any kind of natural uh, disadvantages that you've got? Like you say, oh man, we're really short in this out here. Wish we had more. So 
we use a lot of lime here, and I'm not sure how everybody else in the country does, but lime is a every year thing for us uh, to keep you know our pHs where they need to be. Excellent. Always fighting the the low pH side. So, do you use dolomitic lime? Is it do you have to add magnesium to, or is it mainly just the calcium? We'll use both depending on the type of ground. Sure, sure. Yeah, here it's mostly we've we've got a well in a lot of cases too much magnesium is probably one of the bigger disadvantages here where uh, we're we're always trying to add calcium to try to get ahead of things. So yeah, it's just it's kind of interesting just some of the different things. The other one that, that I get a lot of questions about is iron, and I, I think back to Francis Child's farm when I was there. He had really high levels of iron in his soil, and he would always say, "That's my secret weapon here. I got a lot of iron and." Uh, grass crops like corn seem to really thrive with that. Uh, do you have any of those micros that you'd say, man, this one is a, a real important one for us? Uh, honestly, you know, that's, that's a, probably a question for my nutrient guy. <laughs> he, uh, he's my lean to guy. He's, uh, he's the one that coats, totes the notebook for me. Uh, <laughs> he would be well, the that's one good. That's good. Now you're starting to sound a little like Matt Miles of, you know what? I got to put a good team around me and I get a lot of guys that I can't be an expert in everything. So I got to make sure I have other people I can ask about some of those yeah. things. Yeah. And you got to have a plenty of good teams to work with you these days uh, because yeah. there is so much, there's so much out there that's uh, available for us to try and use. And, um, you know, it's just, it's almost mind blowing the things that people come to you and want you to try. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I do try a lot of different things, but um, it's hard to fix something that ain't broke, you know, yep. for, for me. Yep. Okay. Let me ask this question. Final question then. And if you got any questions to throw back, you go ahead. But what is your favorite crop? What are you best at? And uh, which one is going to crush it this year? What are you all set up to, to have high yields with? Well, naturally, I love growing corn. I mean, that is my go-to crop. Um I enjoy everything about it from the time, you know, we put the seed in the ground and to the time that we put our last fungicide on it and uh, obviously harvest. Uh, so crushing it would be that for me. Uh, I really enjoy that. And, uh, um, I, our weather forecast is saying that we're going to go through a wet uh, spring and we're going to have a short window as far as getting our crops in. So it's going to be a little uh, nervy to see what happens with that. Sure, sure. Yep. Now, as Kelly Garrett was just on a little bit ago, and he was saying they're they're kind of forecast to be wet late April and into May. So it's man, as soon as it's go time, we got to be ready to hustle. Which honestly is not surprising. It seems like it gets that way more times than not. That that it can be a little stressful yeah. around planting. Well. You know, we run all red tractors, so we're always ready, you know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Heath, thank you so much. Really appreciate you being generous with your time today. Thanks for sharing some some insight here as well, and look forward to talking to you again down the road. Absolutely. I enjoy talking to you guys. You guys have a good week. You bet. You too. You too. All right, Brian, uh, had a number of things there, and, you know, looking at, at just, uh, you know, from – how he's doing the tillage, how he's doing the spraying, the burn down ahead. So uh, it was a little more even as he was going through with the tillage. I thought that was pretty interesting and, and putting on fertility in a variety of ways. And, and he mentioned watching pH that that was a challenge where they were at. You know, I think it's, it's good to be aware on some of those things that, gosh, this is a problem year in and year out for us. And, 
You well, know. yeah, but the other thing is every area is different. So, yep, yep. you know, when you start talking about burn down before tillage, I mean, there's nothing growing well, we have here that. when the frost we, comes We have that here. We have a hard, hard frost. I mean, when it's 20 <laughs> below, yes, it fries things. It's uh, everything. Toast. And so in the spring, yeah, you can go do your tillage and there's nothing growing there. So, I mean, yeah, just... A lot, of, a lot of different situations. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. And you always think, oh, man, it'd be fun to farm uh, somewhere else. And, yes, I'm jealous that it's 60 degrees where he's at. That would be really nice right now. Uh, but, you know, you're right. There's, there's pros and cons no matter where you're at. Well, we're getting tips from top growers on today's show. If you want to share some tips from your farm, it's 844-44-AG-PHD. When it comes to cereal disease protection... Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Ag PhD has one mission, to give you the knowledge you need to make your farm more successful. That's why every issue of the Ag PhD Insider Magazine features crop fertility and pest management tips, insights into the world's highest yielding farmers, updates and results from our in-field research trials, as well as the latest agronomy information from Brian and Darren Hefty. We put it all in one place so you can make your farm more productive and profitable. Subscribe to the Ag PhD Insider at agphdinsider.com. This is Stormy Fields with your weather forecast. Today calls for a high of 68 degrees with sunny skies and not a cloud in sight. Planting windows can close fast, so when you need both speed and accuracy, choose John Deere. Our exact emerge planters and precision ag technologies give you precise seed placement for uniform emergence and the efficiency you need to gain ground. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us.
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We've been talking about some tips from high yield growers. We would love to hear from you or if you have any agronomic questions as well. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Step back into the Ag PhD mailbag here. We had uh, a question come in from John and... Um, yeah, just a number of things here. So he sent four different fields of soil soil tests and then just a little question here. So he said, okay, guys, uh, I'm afraid that I might be getting a little strong on phosphorus on my farm. Uh, I took these samples after harvest. I harvested roughly 240 bushel corn. Uh, and then we've applied uh, a couple different things. We put on 6,000 gallons of beef manure and we put on another spread with 120K, 11S, a uh, little bit of zinc, manganese, and boron. Now, I, I, uh, I've i got a couple different fields here that we moldboard plowed, uh, and the rest of the ground is a little too rolling. I am worried about um, getting too much stratification out there. That's why I'm trying to, to do some tillage to move stuff down. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys think. My my. Tissue samples this summer are showing that I'm short in some of the micros. That's why I added in sure. the zinc, manganese, boron. But well, it makes sense because his P and K levels are great. And no, you're not overdoing it on P. I mean, uh, we see some levels on P on certain farms in the hundreds. You're at a hundred. And that's not much. That's actually what I'm shooting for. Yeah, that's that's and actually K, just about ideal. Right now, the now, K, now keep in mind that's at the end of the season. Yeah, here. I know. Still, yep. that's what I'm talking about too. We're yep. we're no, we're I'm shooting for a hundred at the end of the season, and then on the K, you're at three hundred to five two well two hundred to five hundred parts per million, and you're four to eight percent for the most part. I mean, you got a little bit that's ten, but not much. It's just on some lighter soil, so that's not really a concern at all. So you haven't overdone it on P. You haven't overdone it on K, but because your P and K levels are good, what's that telling you? That means that chances are those two are now not yield limiting factors. So now it's your job and our job to hopefully help you to try to figure out, well, what is the yield limiting factor if it's not P and K? All right. Well, obviously it could be nitrogen. So you got to be paying attention to that. And the thing is you got on average 10 CEC. So that means it's relatively light soil. Sure. Some of it's 15 or 20, but a lot of it I'm looking at is 10, 12, 14, somewhere in there. It can't hold that much nitrogen. Did he say a yield goal, by the way? 240. 240. Right. So you need to raise 240 bushel corn, you get about 260, 270 pounds of total nitrogen. Now, granted, some will be carryover, some will come out of the organic matter and all that kind of thing. So you probably only have to apply 200. Yeah, 6,000 gallons of cattle manure. Yeah, it's but I don't know how much, how much is in there. Right. We always like to have that analyzed and see, well, what are we putting out for nitrogen with that? But anyway, my point is your soil cannot hold 250 pounds of nitrogen in one shot. It's too light. So what I'm saying is, even though you might say, well, I put on all kinds of uh, nitrogen and sulfur, yeah, your soil won't hold it. So you've got to split apply. On the sulfur, that brings me to my next thing. Um, in heavy ground, a lot of times when guys are putting on lots of manure, we absolutely will see sulfur levels be high. Yours are really, really low, like single digits in a lot of cases. Um, zinc, a lot of times we're shooting for 10 to 1. So if we've got P1 phosphorus levels at 50 to 100, that mean, means we need 5 to 10 parts per million on zinc. And a lot of yours are at 5. 
So they're a hair on the low side maybe, but they're certainly not bad. Your manganese might be a little bit low. I, I mean, it's hard to tell. You get a DTPA test here, not a malic 3. Uh, your copper is definitely low. You, you've got one part per million. We want to see that always above two parts per million, especially when your P and K are solved. And then you get to boron. Boron's really, really low, 0.4 parts per million on a lot of stuff. So yeah, I'm, I am going to focus a lot more on the micronutrients and sulfur and then on making sure my nitrogen program is great because for the most part, your P and K is really good. Oh, I would say there is variability out there. And the trouble with putting manure out is almost no one in the world varies their rate on manure. Now, we just started to do a little bit of that this last year, but here's where I'm going on this. I mean, you got some spots that on phosphorus, you do not have enough for this amazing crop that you're most likely going to raise, where you're down to 40, 50 parts per million on uh, on phosphorus. But then you got other areas where you might be 150. And so I'm just trying to say, hey, long term, if I was going to apply any commercial phosphorus, I'd absolutely be varying it because you have some areas where please do not put any more on. You're already where you need to be. But yeah, right now, I don't see that you've gotten excessive on any nutrient. Oh, last thing I better throw out. Darren just made the comment when he handed the soil tests over to me during the break that um, we have nothing for sodium test and no soluble salts test. Please, please, for anyone listening, if you are applying manure, you have to test sodium in your soil and you have to test soluble salts because those and, things and could be And you have excessive. to test it on the manure sample as well yes. to see what's in there because that's oftentimes the limiting factor as to how much rate you can put on with the manure. Definitely. And I know I ran into a situation where I had some ground that manure had not been applied to for at least the last 20 years. And in that case, you say, gosh, I have zero soluble salts out there or as close to zero as you're ever going to see. Could I go with a higher dose once? Maybe. Maybe you sure can. Uh, versus, oh, we've already been putting some on every year and I already have about as much as I want to see. So uh, just, again, you have to see samples of the soil and samples of the manure to kind of make a good judgment on that. Hey, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Thanks for sending those samples in. Uh, get this one in from Dave. And Dave said, guys, I've been taking some tissue tests over the last summer, taking them every week. I didn't send every one of them to you, but I sent a few so you could kind of get an idea of what we're looking at. Basically, they're all showing uh, my nutrients and my micros are pretty low. And I'm planning on going back to corn. I'm getting liquid dairy manure applied in the spring. They want to put on twelve to 15,000 gallons per acre. Okay, again, we were just talking about this, Dave, and I'm just going to stop right there. Make sure you get a sample of that manure. Make sure you're looking at the salt content and the sodium content so you know you aren't overdoing it. For us with liquid dairy manure, that's a pretty high rate, but that can vary from dairy to dairy. Because of the salt. So we're only trying to shoot for 500 pounds of salt per acre per year. That's it. So that really limits us on how much manure we put out. So like dairy manure from the dairy we get it from, um, you're talking eight to maybe 10,000 gallons at the very most per year we can put out. Okay. Um, so he said, we were in a pretty droughty area here in Western Wisconsin this past summer. Uh, I didn't plant corn until May 13th, which is at least a couple weeks later than normal here. Uh, I plan on starting to address these low micros this year, specifically boron, manganese, and sulfur by adding those into my fertilizer I put out this spring. Uh, my first question, if I broadcast the fertilizer, how much of each of those micros could you add? Could you add like three pounds of boron per acre for two to three years? 
Uh, he has no. a so- he has a no. soil test no. on there on one of them. Right. Yes. No. Okay, you got a thousand pounds, or sorry, thousand parts per million of calcium is all, and your cation exchange capacity is is six or seven. Six or seven? That's sand. So you have light soil right, you and can't not put that, much, that much calcium. Nope. So you cannot put. Well, let me rephrase that. There's no possible chance in the world that I would ever put three pounds of actual boron on there. Now, if you're talking about three pounds of a material that's, let's say, 15%, then sure, because you're you're not even getting a half pound out there of actual. But yeah, your boron's really low, and some of these things that are leachable are really low, which you would expect. You're farming sand. Okay. Uh, and as such, uh, he said, I've included a soil test done, uh, sample 33 is very close to where I pulled tissue samples from, and those showed very low, low at the most, medium levels of calcium out there. A consultant suggested I spray a calcium chloride solution with a carbon source to see if that could push calcium into my plant. Just curious what you're thinking there. Um, Well, you can, but here's the thing. At the end of the day, I don't give a rip about any nutrient. I care about yield. So will that help your yield? I seriously doubt it. Now, it's possible that it could. So it's worth trying. Well, he makes a comment here, Brandon, that calcium was 74% on base saturation. Yeah, it is, but you're farming sand. Yeah, if that's the case. Everything's low. Yeah, yeah, if that's the case, I mean... We don't believe that adding calcium is going to help you, but you can sur- sure try it and, and see from there. Hey, thanks for the questions, Dave. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back with more of your questions after this. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. There's no time to mess around when it comes to early season protection from yield-robbing pests and diseases. Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide is the next generation of at-plant protection. Through your liquid fertilizer system, get broad-spectrum defense and create an environment where seedlings can vigorously emerge with more uniformity, helping to optimize your productivity and yield. Get serious seedling defense with Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide. Ethos XB Insecticide Fungicide is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow all label directions. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Don't turn your fertilizer application plan into a guessing game. Understand exactly how much fertility you need to reach your yield goals with the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App. Simply enter your crop and your yield goal and the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App calculates the amount of nutrition needed to keep your crop healthy and working for you. Quit playing guessing games with your fertility needs. Download the AgPHD Fertilizer Removal App today. Available on the Apple App Store and in Google Play. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. 
That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. Palmer Amaranth. Four counts of yield theft, resistance to groups two, four, nine. You ain't got nothing on me, man. We've been surveilling you. And now we've got Tough 5EC, a tank mix partner that'll make sure you and your gang of resistant weeds never see the daylight again. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belsham Crop Protection. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Still time to get your agronomic questions in either to radio at agphd.com if you want to email us, or you can just call us 844-44-AG-PHD. I got this one in from Thaddeus. He's out in southeast Colorado, and he said, I began leasing uh, this farm this year and uh, was able to purchase it this summer. Uh, it's my first year farming for myself, not just following uh, the direction of my dad. Uh, so I grew corn and also uh, uh, some alfalfa here. And it's got some ditch irrigation that's coming from a canal off the Arkansas River uh, and some supplementary well water. Uh, this next year, I'm going to use pivots that were installed around harvest time this year. Man, this is a great year, Thaddeus. You got, you're able to purchase the land. You get to farm it and make the decisions yourself. And now you've got pivots that are out there too. Man, that's going to be fun. All right, so first question, he said, how would you recommend getting the soil pH worked down? And how would you recommend turning the dirt where old roads and ditches were into fertile soil again. My agronomist recommended manure on the roads at 20 tons, but every feed yard around seems to have their spoken for already for this year. Yeah, we actually answered this question a couple weeks ago, Darren. So I'll just review real quick. Um, in terms of road, manure is fantastic. You want to do everything you can to build new topsoil there, which usually means trying to raise continuous corn, reduce the tillage, use manure or compost, use some cover crops in there, something like that. So that's all great. In terms of uh, the, the overall soil here, and Darren, when he handed me the soil test in between or during our break, said this might be excess lime. I don't see that there's an excess lime oh, test yeah. on here, do you? Yeah, there is. Where it's, is it? It says high, 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 high. Oh, there high, it is. All the way across. Okay, good. Thank you. Um, even so, I don't know how bad it really is because we're only at about 4,000 parts per million on calcium, which, like in our farm, that's about where we're at, three to 5,000 with low excess lime. But anyway, when you have high excess lime, then the calcium could be artificially reading high, as could your cation exchange capacity. So what we'll do sometimes is send a, a soil test to Neil Kinsey's lab, and granted, it'll take you potentially a couple of months to get that back. But it's kind of an interesting test. And then he runs this cation displacement test and you get a little bit more accurate reading for cation exchange capacity and your calcium and magnesium scores. But anyway, I would just say I'm not as focused on lowering the pH anymore. I used to think, oh, that's got to be number one. To now I say, you know what? Um, it's probably a nutrient imbalance. And so let's work on fixing all the nutrients that we think are off there. So for example, 
with your potassium, it's not bad, but you're at 2 or 3% base saturation K. So if it's me, I'm trying to bump that just a little bit, and I'm continuing to push potassium. Uh, then I start taking a look at, all right, what are my phosphorus levels? And actually, I'm just trying to find his phosphorus levels on here somewhere. Uh, let's see. Darren, did you know? Oh, yeah, there we go. I, okay, well, maybe that's why I missed it. <laughs> According to this, um, it says that your phosphorus levels are like almost single digits. So if that's the case, and yeah, I'm just looking for, I've never, I rarely see soil tests in this format that you've got here. So it's just taking me a little longer than it probably should have. But anyway, uh, your phosphorus is really, really low. So get your phosphorus levels up, get your potassium levels up. Your sulfur actually isn't terrible. And one of the things when we see, hey, sulfur is getting higher, that always concerns me because sulfur should leach out, not immediately, not as fast as nitrogen, but still you've got somewhere you have 116 parts per million of sulfur. I, I, I mean, certainly not terrible bad, but I mean, your cation exchange capacity is mid-20s. So a lot of times what we look at is, do you have great drainage out there? Because if, let's say we fixed all our nutrients and our pH is still a little high and we go, okay, we'd like to push the pH down a little. Well, we usually do that with elemental sulfur. You can't do that with elemental sulfur if you don't have great drainage. So that's where I start looking at drain tile. And I know that's very, it's just not commonly used in your region of the country because the climate is fairly arid. But when you have irrigation, then that does change things. So that's one of the things that long-term I might take a look at adding some tile, and then hopefully I can flush some of the excesses that I have there out of the soil, including the excess lime. I like how you said long-term there because he just bought his first field. Yeah, he just put a pivot up. It's like, yeah, I get it. I know. Money's not unlimited probably, but yes, as soon as you can possibly do it, getting some tile okay. out there would be wonderful. But, but here's one of the things I want you to think about is we're already at 2% sodium. We're already at 2% sodium. So it's not bad now. It's not hurting your yield now. But let's say you go 10 years and you go, well, I'm trying to build up some equity and I'm not going to put the tile in yet. Well, all of a sudden in 10 years, if that sodium goes from 2% to 4%, you could have paid for the tile and um, then you would have been way ahead. It would have been done and your sodium level would be at one instead of where I'm concerned it might be 10 years from now at four. So I, I wouldn't be waiting too long if it's me and I'd be monitoring that sodium every single year. So if you don't want to run a whole bunch of tests, fine, but I'd at least be running some tests every year on your farm so you you monitor that sodium level that's the number one concerning thing for me when you say hey, i'm going to do more irrigation all right uh, thanks for the question we appreciate that this one comes in from Corey. he said guys uh, i've got this byproduct that i can use in addition to my dairy farm nutrient rotation i'm a little worried though about heavy metal and i'm worried about the carbon volume seems really really high is that something i should be concerned about as well well, the more carbon you have, the more nitrogen tie-up you're going to have. So that would be a consideration, but I don't really know how bad this is, how much you want to put on, anything else. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm looking at this test here, but I'm not used to seeing a carbon test on on some product. And quite frankly, I, I don't even know what, what unit of measure I'm looking at. I, I 
Darren literally just handed this thing to me. So yeah, I, there, aren't, me, there, aren't many, there aren't many details here, and maybe that's something, Corey, you could send back to us is give us some more details. Well, well yeah. I mean, we, we, we pretty much get it, though. So it all depends on how much you want to put on. But, yeah, they've tested everything here, like mercury and lead and a whole bunch of these compounds. So the EPA has established figures on what they think is problematic for out in fields and how much is the legal limit to put on fields. So you could look at those things. You could talk to, uh, I I mean, consultants in your area or whatever, and maybe they have worked with this product and they say, okay, make sure you take a look at this because this is bumping up against this level or that level. Always remember the dose makes the poison, okay? So as long as we keep the dose low, we're fine. The concern gets to be the buildup over time. Because if you say, okay, well, I'm going to keep my dose low every year and I should be okay. Well, if that whatever heavy metal doesn't leach out, now we could long-term have a, a problem. So just as an example, zinc is a heavy metal, and it's even listed on, on here. Well, zinc doesn't leach just like phosphorus doesn't leach. So when you put it in your soil it's going to stay there for a long time. On the other hand, there are some other nutrients that are more mobile in the soil, and they will move down below the root zone over time. So just some some little things to keep in mind. But, yeah, I, I mean, you got a lot of stuff here, and without doing spending a, a lot of time on doing analysis on each individual nutrient and if I'm hitting limits or anything else, I, I can't give you a real fantastic answer, but I, I would say we use water treatment lime, also has heavy metals. We're really paying attention to what those heavy metals are, keeping the rates low, and I'm not real concerned if we do that. All right, a few more samples real quick here. This one comes in from Todd, and he said, guys, I, I've built up my soils now. I've gone from 60 bushel beans to 72. I've gone from 195 bushel corn to 220. Uh, I'm taking grid samples. I've tried to, to build PK and, and fix pH and so forth. So I've got samples there that are the ward ones from 2021. Uh, the the other ones are older from 2015. But just kind of curious, do you see anything else that stands out to you? Uh, been working on PNK and pH. Is there anything else you would focus on next? Well, it's light soil. And so the number one thing that I'm going to say is it just takes constant work even with potassium. So your potassium scores right now aren't terrible percentage-wise, but your parts per million are still going to be low because it's light soil. So anytime you have light soil, you just have to keep adding a little bit at a time. You don't want to go nuts like we sometimes do on our farm with our super heavy soils. So that's probably the number one thing I would say, and just continue to dial in the nitrogen, sulfur, and boron because those are all much more leachable even than potassium. Awesome. Thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.